0: Maybe they're in your family, maybe they're in your friendship circle, they're hypocritical, and then this week we're going to talk about they're needy. Anybody here know somebody that tends to be a little needy in your life? Okay, maybe it's just me. but we all know somebody who is tends to be a little on the needy side. And I know I knew you probably would feel a little skittish about saying, yeah, I know somebody who's needy. Uh, and, and some of you are not at all. You were pointing at someone next to you. So, well, you know, wow, that's courageous. Anyway, um, but I, I want to give you a test for how do you know if you've got somebody like you. It's, here's how you know. Instead of saying, you complete me, you know, like the old Jerry Maguire line, you complete me, you want to say, no, you deplete me, all right, you deplete me, Um, you have somebody like that in your life that you, you, you wish, you kind of feel like that inside, you kind of deplete, after I'm with you, I want to go lie down, I feel just exhausted, anyway, but we all have people like that, and even if you don't, there's those moments where you want to help people, you can see they need help, but it's hard to know what to do to help them how do you help them because it's hard to know how to go about helping them that actually feels like help to them or if you start to help them are you going to have enough resources and stamina and patience to be able to continue to help them until they're fully helped because part of the fear is and i, I bet you probably felt this before too is that if i sign on to help what does that even mean and how long does that last and 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 my fear is I'm gonna leave them no better off than when I first started trying to help them and my helping really turned into hurting because I created some kind of weird codependent relationship on me and I can't help them and and that's a hard, it's frustration and we could really use some guidance right in this area, there's been a lot of frustration in the past where people, well meaning, like really great hearted people that have really tried to help other groups and other people and different places in the world and Didn't go about it the right way And wound up not really helping very much Uh, And so to answer this Like how do we help I want us to to kind of start that conversation To take a look at an account That's given to us in the book of Acts Short for the Acts of the Apostles Acts chapter 3 This is right at the beginning As this church in Jerusalem is getting started We're told that the Holy Spirit of God Has come down And has empowered his people And two of the Apostles Peter and John are on their way to the temple in Jerusalem to pray Uh, at the three o'clock hour. There were three times that good Jews would pray every day at 9 a.m., 3 p.m., and at sunset. They're going in that middle time in the middle of the day. Of course, their whole background is Judaism and now they're followers of Jesus Christ but they're gonna continue to do a lot of their traditions and so this is what they're doing. They're going up to the temple and on their way, they have an encounter with a man who is incredibly needy. Let's take a look at Acts chapter three. Here's what it says. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now, back in those days, if you were incapacitated, you couldn't do manual labor, your only option for income for you and your family was to beg. That was it. So this is what this guy was doing. There's lots of places you could have begged, uh, by the highway, in front of a rich person's house. But the most lucrative, historians would say, is right outside the temple courts, where people would come and go every day to pray, and especially the pharisees who loved to look good and self-righteous in front of everyone else they would always give money to the poor people so that they would look way more holy than everybody else so that was really important to them and uh, they were the ones that were always contentious with jesus of course and so here he is waiting to beg for money from anybody who's coming in and all of a sudden here comes peter and john Here's what happens When he saw Peter and John About to enter He asked them for Let's say it together For money Right He's thinking I'm in need I really What would fix A lot of my problems Is just more money And what's ironic Is that here You know couple thousand years later people still feel the same way (laughs) is that's really not changed people really haven't changed all that much more money would probably fix more of my problems and to be quite honest some of you are probably saying yeah a little more money wouldn't hurt right you know that that wouldn't hurt but that's what he felt like would fix his issue Peter looked straight at him as did John and Peter said look at us because he probably wouldn't even look and he was just like, hey, anybody got money, 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 money? Anybody, can I like that, you know? So look at us, give us your attention. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And here's what happens. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, taking him by the right hand he let's say it together he helped him up he helped him up he helped him up that's what he did took him by the right hand he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong and i love this part he jumped to his feet and began to walk this guy has never walked he jumps to his feet and walk, and, when, and and they went into the temple courts, walking, and now he's jumping and praising God as he's going into the temple. I mean, people have to be freaking out a little bit because I'm pretty sure most people come to the 3 o'clock prayer time weren't doing this, right? Like, it's in the middle of the afternoon, you're a little sleepy, like, oh, we gotta go do our prayers, you know? This guy's coming in, and people are like, this is this guy? This is the guy that was begging out there for like years? And now he's walking and he's praising God? So obviously, what happened was far more than a transformation of his physical body, but there was something deeper in his heart that got transformed. So here's a couple lessons I want us to take a look at that Peter and John are showing us about how to help people. First and foremost, What they gave him was not a hand out, but a hand up. They took him by the hand and helped him up to his feet, right? And and, an even more important point that I think we can derive from this is that people don't always know what they need. What they want isn't always what they need, and what they need isn't always what they want. And I love that Peter and John clued in on this. He was asking for money, money please, please money, I need more money, that's gonna fix my problems. And Peter knew that's actually not going to fix your problems. What you need and what God wants to give you isn't just a little bit of money, but a whole new life. Transform every part of who you are. And that's exactly what happened. And he was a whole new man when he was walking into the temple that day, unbelievable. Transformed completely. So I want to talk to you a little bit about two major categories when we go to help another human being that we need to keep in mind. That most all of our help can be broken into one of these two categories, or it's a combination of the two. It's relief versus restoration. So let's talk about these two for just a moment. Relief, let's define them. Relief is immediate and temporary assistance. It's short-term. It's a natural disaster that has hit. And it's completely taken away people's homes it's it's robbed them of most of their assets and and they need help they have gone through profound loss maybe they lost a loved one or they lost the main income maker for their house maybe they lost somebody their spouse they've lost some something huge in their life and it is a short-term, immediate, temporary assistance that they are in need of. In other words, these are the kind of situations and people where we need to surround them with the love of God. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus as followers of Jesus Christ to help these people however we can and we know that it's gonna be a short-term deal and we need to be able to uh, address the issue quickly though. They are in need right now, okay? That is relief. now restoration is a little different it's working with people to restore their god-given potential god-given potential now notice that i say working with them and not necessarily for them it's not like move out of the way let us do this for you okay you're welcome here you go you can have your life back it's working with people to empower them to help them to strengthen them to help them to reach and understand their God-given potential, this is much, much harder, ladies and gentlemen. And by and large, Christendom across the world, we don't do the second one quite as well because it requires more patience, more time, more endurance, more perseverance it's just harder it's more difficult and people are going to take two steps forward and one step back and this is not going to be neat and tidy and it's not going to just be a nice linear growth most people are going to kind of be up and down and you have to be patient you've got to work with them and you've got to just walk with them just like somebody has with us and that's what's required it's it's the friend of yours that seems like they always just constantly need validation from you validate me tell me i'm okay they are always questioning their worth and their value and their beauty and their smarts and their income or whatever it is and you feel like oh my gosh this person just it's very needy but really what they need is to understand who they are in jesus christ when they come into a relationship with jesus that they are loved Colossians 3.12 tells us that in Christ we are chosen, we are holy, we are dearly loved, we are beloved of God, we are a holy priesthood, we are precious children of God, we are royal priests before the Lord. Like when you finally download and understand and really live out of who you are in Christ, it radically changes. You stop caring what everybody else thinks because the God of the universe thinks this about me. Who cares what other people think? Like it's very freeing, but that is what, it's a process, that's what restoration looks like for some people. Other people, it might be somebody with their hand out all the time because they're constantly financially broke all the time. And they're telling you, hey, I need, I need, can you give me a loan? You know, Can you help me out? Can you help me out? And really what they need, they don't need you just to give them money. They need a job, right? Or they need a different job. Or no, no, what, what I need is, a, I, need, I need more money. I need $500 for a car payment. Or no, you just need a cheaper car, right? That's what you need. Um, because people don't always know what they need. They, what they want and what they need are, are two different things, and sometimes for us just to give somebody more money who is not handling it well in the first place, when they're showing us what they actually need is to learn God's wisdom for how to manage money properly, get on a budget, start to live on less than you make. If you make this much, don't spend that much every month, right? You're always gonna be broke. You learn how to live on less than you make, and that takes a process, then you will begin to experience freedom. And now you've got margin. You can actually be generous and you can be a blessing to other people. You can be a part of the solution to the world. You can start helping and start making a difference. It's amazing, but it's a process. It's restoration isn't overnight. It takes time. And it takes us being willing to walk with people. And um, And one of the errors that people tend to step into is sometimes we offer relief when we need to be given restoration. And we don't understand sometimes how those work together. And sometimes we need to give both and in different areas, but you may be asking, well, where does that happen here at Brazos Fellowship? How do we do that as a church? And so let me answer that for you. We have this really wonderful, powerful ministry here at Brazos Fellowship that has been around for a couple of years now, but really has blown up this year because of the needs in our community and in our church specifically. It's called Care Network, so how do you find out about care network and how do you be able to leverage the resources that we have available through care network for you or for somebody that you love well here's how you do it you go to our website brazosfellowship.com if you click on learn more there'll be a drop down menu and you look for care network it'll be in the uh the list that will drop down vertically and then from that list you click on care network and we have them arranged here horizontally, but when you look at our webpage, they'll actually be vertical, and there's more information kind of explaining each one of these. If you are needing counseling for you personally, for you as a couple, for your children, for anybody that you know, you know someone you want to refer to, and you'd love to get them into some really good, like solid, God-centered counseling, Let us know it right here. Click on referrals, and there's a referral that you can fill out. You let us know, and we're going to ask lots of information because we're trying to help and ascertain how can we best help this individual. And then we'll be able to follow up with you. This next one is critical response. If you are in a crisis mode, if you're in a situation where I need help and I need it like, ASAP. I really need help. You're in a financial pinch. You are in need. There have been times where people have had all of their furnishings wiped out from a fire, flood, etc. Man, we've had the church just show up. When we know about it, people just show up and boom, refurnish the house. It's amazing how... That times where that has happened. Now, I'm not promising everybody gets a refurnished house. Okay, so let me just be careful. I'm not over-promising things here, okay? Um, but I am saying if we don't know about it, we can't address it. So this allows you to let us know about it. Now, the next one is money-wise. One of the number one struggles that we see in not just our church, but people throughout our community and, and beyond, is that people struggle. Even well-educated, It's like smart people who manage wealth for big companies. When it comes to their own personal wealth, they don't do it very well. And they need some coaching. They need some training. You need to sit down with somebody who is a money expert, who loves God, and says, hey, let me show you how to use this for your advantage. Let me show you how to leverage your income where it becomes a blessing. It's not constantly this albatross, this burden on your life over and over. Every month, it's just horrible. You hate it, right? There's a way to do that, and, and we can help you with that process. The next one is special requests. This is like a pastoral request, a hospital visit, a, a funeral, a wedding, those kinds of things, and there's a way to, to be able to request it right there. And then finally, Questions. If there's a question that we didn't address here that you need uh, answered or things, something that we can help with or you're wondering where do I go with this, I'm not sure, just ask it. Let us know so we can help, and we will, we'll get you where you need to go. And we'll help out. But I just want you to be aware of Care Network, incredible, incredible folks that help run this ministry here at Brazos Fellowship, and I just want you to know about it, to use it, be able to meet the needs in your life, both relief and restoration that can happen through uh, such an awesome ministry. And that's what the body of Christ is for, to be able to do that for each other. Now, going back to our story, our account of uh, Peter and John, there was something critical that they understood. They understood that whatever was going to happen with this guy outside of the beautiful gate, it was not going to be in Peter and John's power. It was going to be totally in the power of God. This is why you hear Peter saying, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, right? Not in the name of Peter and John, walk. There's no power in that. He knew that, right? They they were conduit through which God could move. We are, all of us still to this day. You're conduit that God wants to work through your life. You're a connector. You help connect people to God and you help connect them to his truth. But it's not you, it's not me. We don't save anybody. We can't restore anybody. We can't, we can't fix anybody. And that's hard for us. Can I be really honest with you? For a lot of people, it's hard for us to be convinced we're not the necessary ingredient for people to get better. It's God. It's always, it always is God. And for a lot of people, I hear it coming out in their, their language. They'll say things like, I feel so... Frustrated because I wasn't able to fix so and so. I couldn't fix their situation. I couldn't get them where they needed to be. I couldn't do, you're right, you couldn't. But you did what you needed to do and you were a part of the, the solution and you are helping, let's keep praying for them and let's keep walking with them and let's keep encouraging them. But yeah, let's be reminded, I can't, I can't save anybody. We can't, I can't fix anybody, that's God's business. But I can be a conduit through which I make myself available so that he can move and flow through my life, and so can you. And that is the power of, that Peter and John were making available to God, that his power could use their life to make such a powerful difference. And it was really about them connecting to him through prayer. And they were going to pray, actually, at that moment when they come across this guy. But prayer is so powerful, to open ourselves up and say, God, use me, to, to meet the needs of people around me. So let me give you three powerful prayers to pray that could make a big difference in your ability to meet needs in your life. And also, I think even just being open for God to meet the needs in your own life. It, I think these are powerful either way. Here's the first one. God, help me to give people what they need, not just what they want. Let's say it a little bit louder. God, help me to give people what they need, not just what they want. That's right. And as we said earlier, that's exactly what Peter and John did. Because what people want isn't always what they need. So they looked past what he was asking for. I just need money. I just want money. There are times where I think we need to pray the prayer. I love this prayer of Paul over in Ephesians 1, chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 18, where he says, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. The eyes of your heart would be opened so that you might see. You know God wants to do that in your life more than he's doing it right now? He wants to do that in my life so that we can see past just the surface stuff that's going on into what is actually happening in people's hearts, what is actually going to help them? What's actually going to encourage them and lift them up? There'll be a a hand up and not just a hand out. So powerful. When we start praying prayers like that, God, help me to begin to not just give them what they, they think they want, but what they actually need. Because sometimes, as I said, people think they just need more money, but really, what they need is someone to lovingly come alongside them and coach them up on how to manage the money in a godly way and to be on a budget and to be able to learn how to have margin in their life and how to begin to be generous and how to tithe and bless other people. And man, now, Money has become a blessing. That's how it becomes a blessing. Blessing. I mean, money doesn't become a blessing when you amass big sums of it. Look at the people who have big sums of it. Many of them are absolutely miserable and are in perpetual counseling all the time because they can't break out of depression. Just having money won't do it for you. I promise you that. But learning how to manage it in a way that honors God and blesses people, wow. You unlock a whole universe of joy that will come your way. It is absolutely incredible when we manage things properly, and, and one of incredible rule of thumb, just for life: anywhere you want God to bless, just put him first. You want to bless your marriage, start putting him first. Pray that God would bless your spouse and bless your marriage. Pray with your spouse. put him first, and you want to bless your finances, put him first. Let him be the first and the first fruits out of what God blesses you with to honor him through your tithe, through your blessing, through the things that he gives you. You want to bless your children? Teach them to put God first. Pray for them every day. Lift them up to God. Man, I'm telling you, there is power in our prayers, and we forget that so much of the time. And the people around us that are in need need for us to be able to see past the surface and begin to raise them up, to give a hand up through pointing them to God and praying for them often there was a guy when I pastored my very first church up in the Dallas area I think his name was Brett uh, it's been a long time ago now probably 25 years ago 50, uh, 30 years ago something like that um, but he was uh, a young dad they had just had a little baby girl and he's lost his job and uh, Brett was kind of a rough around the edges kind of a guy and uh he told me, he said, I, I, I just can't find any work. I, I'm not passionate about anything that I'm finding. I, I, can't, I can't find a job I'm passionate about. And I said, well, Brad, are you passionate about your wife and baby? Yes, I'm passionate about those people, for sure. Well, you need to get a job, okay? Not, not like the perfect job, just get a job. You need to put food on the table, and you need to help support your family. I think his wife was working, too. You need to help, you need to do your part to support Now, while you have that job, it affords you some time to look for a better job. And it was funny, he just started praying, God help me to look and to find a job that really would sort of click with me. And I remember talking to him months later. He had found, this is up in the Dallas area, he had found a job at a Godiva chocolate store. Now, if you had met Brett, you would not think this is the guy for Godiva chocolate, okay? I would not have picked that with the job for him. But I remember months later, he was, became the manager of this Godiva chocolate store. And, and I, I asked him, how's it going? He goes, I love it. Like, I never knew I was so passionate about chocolate. <laughs> and I thought it was so funny. I'm like, I live with a house full of people passionate about chocolate. I personally am not. But um, I think it was really funny that he was so, like, didn't even know that that was something God had in store for him. would not even known to, to look at that or think about it, but there was something about putting the faith in motion, kinda get going, you know? I remember a mentor of mine years ago saying, God can't steer a parked car and neither can you. Like, you gotta get some momentum, right? And then, oh my gosh, now we can kinda go somewhere. And sometimes it takes getting up, just like this fella. They helped him up to his feet. And once he could start moving, he was going places. And I think there are times where we are sitting still, going, "Well, God, I'm going to move till you say something, right?" And God's saying, "It's time to move." And as you move, I'll guide. And and, and Leslie and I used to have the saying. We still use it from time to time. We're going to go till we get a no. We're gonna go till we get a no. Like we're, this best we can tell, we're not violating scripture, we're not violating God's wisdom from counsel we're getting. We feel like this is the direction God's saying. We're gonna just keep going until he tells us no and we're constantly praying. God, redirect us, help us to not run off a cliff, right? We don't wanna do that. And he has answered that, that, that prayer over and over and over in our lives. And I've seen him do it in other people's lives, men like Brett. And I just encourage you, that you would be willing to do this, to help people, to, give them, to help them with what they need rather than just what they want. And here's the second prayer request. It's asking God, God, help me to stay out of your way by not rescuing people from their consequences. Now let me just say, this is extremely difficult for some of us who tend to be very, very compassionate. I'm so glad you have a compassionate heart. Just be careful especially those of us who are parents we many times want to step in the way between our child and consequence of their foolish decisions and we want to cushion the blow we want to do this for other people we feel like that is so merciful that is what we ought to do and and God and forgetting that he has created a universe that has a cause and effect relationship that each of our actions has a consequence to it both good and bad and they are there to teach us so when you step in the way between your child or somebody that you love and the consequence and you say it's okay sweetie I'll pay daddy will take care of it mama will take care. we'll fix it we'll pay for it we'll we'll be the ones to to catch the brunt of this and take care of it you have just robbed them of the lesson of wisdom that God was going to bring to their life when the impact of that consequence hit them There is nothing like a consequence to teach us to stop going down a foolish road. And when you rob a person of that, what is even more, and I've seen this, is so insidious, it's so horrible what it does to kids as they move into adulthood. It teaches them, mom and daddy are gonna take on the brunt of the consequence. It teaches them, you're not competent to live your own life. You don't have what it takes to do this. We're gonna have to do it for you. They never get the confidence to live on their own. They always think what they learned was not avoid that decision because there's a consequence. They learned the next time I get in a mess, guess what? I just pick up the phone and call mom and dad and they'll take care of it. That's what you taught them. That's what you taught them. You created this horrible, unhealthy, codependent relationship that robs them of the wisdom that God would have brought through the consequence So just be careful that you don't take away. Now this does not mean that we abandon people in the middle of their consequences. By all means, no. We walk with them. We stay close to them. We encourage them often, often, often. We go with our arm around them, love them all the way through it, but resist the temptation to take away the consequence. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, love this beautiful law of the universe, really, what Paul's giving us here. Do not be deceived, because a lot of people think they can cheat this, this law. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, a woman reaps what she sows. When we sow a particular uh, behavior, there is going to be a consequence to it, right? Back at the beginning of this year, I did a series called Decisions That Determine Your Destiny. And uh, if you missed that, I encourage you to go back. I took this, this harvest principle, and we looked at almost every area of life and how powerful and true it is and how you can leverage it. God wants to use it to bless your life and not to hurt you and curse you, but many times people are unaware of it, and it winds up hurting them. So I encourage you to check that out if you haven't seen that. But Jesus even tells this powerful uh, parable over in Luke 5. 15 where he tells the parable of the prodigal son. If you haven't heard that, the youngest son of this wealthy man comes to him and says, "Hey dad, give me all of my inheritance. I know you're not dead yet." This was a huge insult to a Jewish father. Jesus is telling this story, I'm sure that his listeners are going, oh, "What a brat." Right? And he says, "Give me all my money, dad." And then it says we're told he goes off to a distant land, he squanders it all on wild living and partying it up for Months and months and months Until all the money is gone It's all gone And the only job he can get Is working in this pig pen Feeding these pigs And you know he's hungry Because it says he's looking at the pig pods And his stomach is growling Like that looks pretty good I'm so hungry, right? Gross But Jesus tells us the father resisted the temptation to go to the son at the pig pen, scoop him up, and say, it's okay, boy, I'll take you home, and daddy will make it all all right. He waited. He let him stay in the pig pen until scripture says he came to his senses. There is this moment of wisdom that comes from pain. We learn more through the painful times than we ever do through the prosperous good times where there's no friction, no rub, no difficulty, no challenge. God teaches us so much. He waited till his son came to his senses and then he came home. And the moment he saw him cresting the hill come into the house, he ran out, embraced him, and forgave him. Beautiful. It's the heart of God. God's showing us this is how I want you to love. This is how I want you to meet needs around you. And here's the third of the prayers I'm asking you to pray. Is simply saying, God, help me to remember I'm in need too. And that you are always the answer. It's just a reminder that no matter who we're helping, I'm helping, you're helping in this life, we are all just as in need as they are. We're all in need before God or just one beggar helping another find the bread of life, of Jesus, I love it. But to be reminded that they're gonna get saved, they're gonna get help, they're gonna get restored, it is absolutely gonna be Jesus that does it, not me, not you. And if your God requires you to go out and save and restore people, then your God is too small. It is not the God of the Bible. Because Jesus says there's only one Savior and it's me. You don't, you know, take the burden off yourself. But sometimes we have feel like we need to step in and we need to be the functional savior in people's lives and we make horrible, horrible saviors. We can't save people. We can point them to Jesus. We can connect them to God. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 70, verse 5, where he says, But as for me, I am poor and, let's say it together, and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. I am poor and needy. Come quickly. I need you. I I can't do it without you. We need him. And we need collectively as the body of Christ to encourage each other, restore each other, pray for one another, help each other, but to do it with a humble heart as we do this for each other. Paul reminds us of this in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 10. Eleven. I love this. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full, let's say it together, full restoration. There's our word, right? Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. It's a promise. It's a command and a promise. I want you to strive for full restoration. Help each other to be restored in the Lord. Encourage one another. And God of peace is going to be with you through the process. It's going to be awesome. It's one of the, the accelerated growth tracks of God, spiritually speaking, is to make yourself available to do this in other people's lives. So right now, what I'd like to do in our prayer today as we close out and and to really apply what we've been talking about to our life, is really just saying, God, I need the help of your Holy Spirit if I'm gonna help people in need. If I'm gonna help someone, anyone in need, I've got to have your help. And in our prayer, I want you just, if you just ask for that, God, show me I'm available to meet needs, maybe like never before in my life. I wanna be sensitive to it, I wanna step out, And I want to act on faith and courage But I realize it's going to be you through me Not going to be me And then finally I am also in need before you today And here are the areas I need you And I'd like for you Just quietly, personally, privately Right where you pray Would you just dump out your heart to God In this time of prayer And just say Here's where I'm in need God It's in my life relationally I am brokenhearted right now It's in my marriage right now it's in our finances. It's my career. It's just fear over the future. This is such a tumultuous time, and we're going into this election season, and there's so much. Like, we need to be praying for and praying about. What is it that's on your heart that you need to just give to him and be open to it, and maybe even asking for help? Maybe this open-ended prayer here is going to drive you to say, I need to reach out to uh, Care Network and just see what's available and see if I can't. I'm telling you, there's been some people that have been catapulted, I mean, rapid growth in the right direction through some of those ministries, and I just encourage you to take advantage of them. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services.